Hello and welcome to Review, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew, and this is episode 43. We are on to part two of my conversation with Ken Tyndall, an IT and connected car security expert, and we're going to leap straight back into the conversation now. Right, I, I think this would be a good time to go through your um, uh, what possibly is going to be gloating car history, uh, where you get to... Uh, uh, you get to you get to tell us because you were older and wiser, um, the cars and you were able to afford them. The cars you've you've gone through, and then I think I'd like to delve into um, the the startup that you've got involved with okay. and uh, why and what it does. So, so you passed your test in? Did you say your mid thirties? Oh yeah, so I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, was that? Did you find that an easy process? Out of yeah, I was drenched in sweat after every, every driving lesson. It was the concentration required when you learn to drive is immense, mm. and uh, it's it's quite shocking how 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 blasé you get later. Yeah, no, I no, it, it was straight, it was straightforward, but it was oh, it was an immense amount of uh, intellectual effort. <laughs> I think when you're younger, you're much more flexible at, uh, at picking skills up. So yeah, it was harder. Uh, okay, did you that. pass first time? Or uh, second time. Second time. Okay. And then uh, what was uh, the first car you got after you passed? Uh, I passed in, in the, the car I had, a Honda Prelude. Okay. Do you remember the one with the pop-up headlights? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was... had an Accord that had that. Yeah. That oh. was a lovely car. It really yes. was a lovely car to drive. And as your first car, I think that kind of is a bit of an unusual introduction to driving. It was lovely. I really loved that car. <laughs> <laughs> How long yeah. did you have that for? Then? Uh, that was probably about three or four years, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what did you move on to? And then I got a uh, Suzuki Cappuccino. Oh, yeah? yeah? That was a lovely car. Uh, I don't know if you've ever driven one. No, no. We used to have one in our in our local town around the corner from me. Yeah. Basically the size of a shoe. Uh, yes. Yeah, a slipper, I think, people <laughs> used to call it. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it didn't have central locking because you could reach every part of the car within arm reach. <laughs> um, yeah, and it had a nut. I, I had a friend uh, who, who, was a, a, who was a motorbiker, and he had more luggage space in his panniers than we had in the car. <laughs> uh, Can you take the luggage while I go yeah. this way? <laughs> but it, yeah, you could get two shopping bags if one was in the footwell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, you had to make compromises there for traveling, but uh, yeah, it was a lovely car. That really was nice. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it basically had um, started to get rust all over the subframe and things, and so it failed its MOT in a fairly serious way. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, so, what did you replace that with? Uh, so, I think that uh, was swapped for um, an SLK. Okay. Um, which actually, I didn't like very much in the end. Um, the the, uh, the cappuccino had a a, a lovely little three cylinder engine, would mm. rev to like twelve thousand. It was it was well, it was a motorbike engine, wasn't it? It was really nice and uh, turbocharged. I think it was twenty horsepower unturboed and sixty horsepower turboed. So it was really nice. The SLK is kind of the other end of the spectrum, but it was a, a fairly nasty four cylinder. Uh, four is the wrong number of cylinders to have always. Uh, <laughs> it should be multiples of three. I'm not sure about nine, but it should be multiple than three. And the um, yeah, I, di- I didn't like it that much, and uh, it was really uncomfortable to drive in the seats. Um, so the the roof, of course, was uh, 
absolutely magic. I mean, to, to take the roof of the cappuccino down, it was like solving an origami puzzle. You <laughs> had, had to take it down precisely the right order, and all the pieces had to be stacked in the boot in precisely the right way. Um, whereas the SLK, you would just press a button, and um, it would just perform this mechanical ballet. It was just glorious. I mean, that's why we got the car. It was just glorious. <laughs> but uh yeah it, it kind of and it only had the auto gearbox and it wasn't a particularly i think it was only a four speed auto as well so i think it wasn't it was it, uh, it was one of those things that uh, everyone complained about at the time um it, you know it wasn't a real proper driving car in the end um, okay and what was after that then um and then i swapped that for um an outback okay. a, a scooby and um I think as a backup car, we got a Toyota Yaris. All right. <laughs> Which I uh, would be delighted. Yeah, I, 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 there was the Toyota the Yaris probably counts as the worst car, which should be very unfair way of saying that because it was actually a perfectly accomplished, nice car. <laughs> this is my problem, you see, but when it's coming late to cars, is is they're all nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you can afford nice things. Yeah, there's nothing. nothing there was nothing really. There's nothing wrong with the Yaris. I mean, it was. I think it was the first generation Yaris. It was completely um, well engineered, reliable, comfortable. You know, slow. Did everything it needed. To uh, yeah, do. no, it's one of those uh, goes to A and comes back again. Um, never misfired, never failed to start. Um, but it was just well, you know, it's. It's it's not the world's uh, car that sets you on fire. Um, <laughs> yes, I know yeah. what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, and, I, and the Outback was great. Uh, and in fact, I've, I gave that to my parents, and it's still running. And I think it's sixteen years old now. Well, I think that's an issue for Subaru. Actually, <laughs> is that the, the people who have their cars keep their cars because they keep working? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's starting <laughs> to die now, but uh, yeah. I think it's done like hundred. Fifty thousand miles, something like that. It's, 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 yeah. And again, going back to it, back to the, the discussion on cars and engineered, and they're amazing. One hundred fifty thousand miles. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, we go back. How many? You know, we're, we're amazed now if cars get, or cars from older generations, make hundred thousand plus. Yeah. And now, you know, there's there's plenty of websites out there and plenty of articles about. Oh yeah, you get something a hundred thousand that's in the last you know, ten years or so, and it's only just barely running. Type attitude, and all you need to do is just make sure you're looking after these six points, and it will keep working for years and years. Type thing, you know, apart from the odd thing that may go wrong, but you know, and it's just stunning that cars can do that. Yeah, I mean, there are some, of course, can go a hundred thousand miles without an oil change. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is really quite some achievement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, a design to not that actually have. I mean, yes, a design to go around with that as an oil change. Yeah. Okay, so then, uh, how long did you keep the Outback for? Uh, that was probably about five years. That uh, okay. So, uh, and the Yaris was at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And um, for as long or longer? No, I think it's about the same time because we swapped those uh, in for um, uh, a Mini uh, Cooper S and uh, mm-hmm. BMW M3. Okay. Both quite nice drivers. Very cars. nice cars. Both of those are very, very nice cars. Um, I'd often take the um, uh, the Mini in preference to the M3 because you could have an awful lot more fun at a lot lower speed. <laughs> yeah, because it's smaller and you're lower and yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. It would, yeah, well, it's like a go-kart. Um, and then when you go around a corner at, at 
well, yes, the M3 would accomplish to go around a, a hairpin at 60 and, you could, <laughs> and feel like it was 30 and uh, the, 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 the Mini would be the other way around. So it was some, um, <laughs> yeah. Wake you up on the drive into work. Yeah, no, so both, both, both truly excellent cars. They're probably the best cars we've, uh, we've owned. So how long did you keep those for, man? Um, so I had the, I, th- I think we just went down to one car uh, quite quickly. So the uh, the Mini was only a couple, two or three years. But the uh, the M3 kept that for nine, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so and eventually. Uh, eight or nine, I think it was, and then eventually, of course, it stops too. Um, in fact, it didn't. Nothing really went wrong on the the M3 at all. It's just uh, I think actually what started to happen was the roads changed. Um, that changed the way you had to drive it. Um, so the roads became. So the suspension uh, settings for British roads started to become a real issue. Yeah. Um, the roads just start. I, I I don't know if it's just me getting older. Uh, um, less tolerant or all the roads have got worse I, I fear it's the latter well I think there's a distinct lack of uh, spending on the roads when when the uh, the economic issues happened yeah yeah uh, late 2000s um, I think that uh, the way that councils or highways decided they would treat roads changed certainly around here we we became much more of a throw down tar and the and the gravel on top type road surfaces as opposed to the nicer smoother obviously more expensive and longer to longer to install type roads which are quieter and actually quite nice to drive on yeah yeah so (laughs) and um, we're not even getting to the forgetting to fix potholes yeah no so it started to become almost a painful experience <laughs> driving it. Um, and then, of course, on the motorways and stuff, it, it starts to become really crowded. And, um, uh, it, yeah, you just want something a bit more comfortable at that point. Yes. So what you move to? Uh, so I've got a... I, I wanted to move to something that wasn't going to be quite such such a drop <laughs> from an M3 because you don't, you, don't, uh, you don't really <laughs> get much... Uh, I'm expecting a certain, yeah. a certain level of things now please. yeah yeah no because uh so so yeah I, I, yeah no, I really it was, it was a soft top as well so i really loved that car um and it was the uh the smg2 um which uh, uh i really like the gearbox mm-hmm. um everyone's every one of my purest friends was <laughs> sniffy about about an automatic gearbox but it's not an automatic gearbox um yeah no uh so i've uh, i changed it to a bmw one series all right, a five door one series, uh, <laughs> um, which I, th- I think it's uh, is it the one twenty? It's about two hundred horsepower, okay. um, but it's got the uh, the eight speed ZF gearbox, um, so it really wafts along really quite quick. It's the diesel, <laughs> it's the first diesel I've ever owned. It's <laughs> amazing, is that uh, no the diesels normally uh, I, I reserved. Well, I, I, I thought they were basically a bag of components chucked down a stair. <laughs> they're normally horrible horrible vehicles but um uh, the diesel engine on, on the one series is, is fabulous i mean unless if you weren't listening out you'd think it was a petrol engine uh, if you weren't paying attention uh it's so nice um of course now we 
know that diesels are evil incarnate, uh, yes, as we so always knew they were, and uh, you're, so on. You're murdering all the little bunnies on the side of the road. And uh, yeah, and so although interestingly, so BMW hasn't um, failed any of the real-world driving emissions tests either, so... Uh, no, no. So, so they did They did actually do what they were supposed to do. Um, and then we've had these stories in the last uh, couple of days about this, this vast conspiracy. Um, and it's like, Cartel. well... Cartel. Cartel, yeah. I don't really understand that, because if they were meeting all the emissions regulations, I can't really see what they had to gain. <laughs> yeah, the... the yeah, There's something not quite right there. I don't really understand the, that. The reporting on the cartel and what people are being blamed for doesn't quite match up, no. because uh, obviously industry gets together to discuss things. Uh, and because... Sorry, we're being quite current here. Um, but... Uh, the ad blue is something that people have focused on, which I think is a is a red herring, because if if companies are deciding to agree on the size of ad blue tanks because they want the comfort inside a cabin um, to be of a certain way, therefore the ad blue tank doesn't take up more space in the cabin. That doesn't actually affect the emissions. That just means you need to stop and fill the ad blue up more often. That's yes. all that is. Although if that's everything... Because they're finals. still using the ad blue. <laughs> but um, it seems there are other yeah. discussions yeah, I... that have happened from this group um, get-together that perhaps have not been the greatest. And uh, there's there's lots of... There's currently lots of backpedalling going from yeah. certain industry groups, in, particularly in Germany, are trying to disassociate themselves from this. So... It doesn't look great, and it doesn't help the whole no. transparency from the motor industry thing. No, I'm, it's very disappointing, actually, um, because all the colleagues I've worked with have taken their jobs very seriously uh, yeah. with the highest of integrity, and um, it's very well, disappointing. Well, that's the thing. When you talk true. to individuals, unless you find the one or two people who have decided to make such colossally important and bad decisions everybody is is very focused on doing their job as well as they can yeah so i'm it, yeah. so it's just uh it, it is very disappointing and yeah um, yeah i i don't want to i don't want to bring this this conversation down with yeah. yeah um okay so you've you've had some pretty nice cars there yeah, uh, yeah. i have to say i am very <laughs> impressed and uh if anyone younger is listening <laughs> wait till you're older yes Yes. Then get cars that you can afford. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. the lesson we've yeah. learned tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some very, no, the cars are lovely. They don't have to break down all the time. It uh, doesn't have to be painful. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah. so you, you're doing. Um, you've done your PhD and and you're helping with these systems and everything. When did you move into automotive security, and why did you move? Well, it is, uh, I sold this, the, uh, the, the company that was doing all the real-time analysis. It was, it was called Live Devices, and uh, uh, we sold that to uh, ETAS, which you might have heard of. Yeah, it's a subsidiary of, uh, of Bosch. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of the uh, um, electronics uh, software uh, t- tools, particularly um, yep. in the industry. And then um, uh, took a break, cycled around New Zealand, and uh, went to learn French in Canada and that kind of thing. And then, um, obviously, 
Uh, and then uh, I briefly uh, worked in um, as a CTO of a startup in uh, the internet TV space. Um, oh, right. It's a bit of a, uh, a zigzag there. Um, uh, it's not it's a not dissimilar problem of trying to send video over the internet uh, to make sure that that or everything gets there in time and so on. Um, but yes, about uh, two three years ago. Um, I met uh, up again with uh, with an ex-colleague uh, that we had a, a joint venture together, uh, partly in this uh, bus control system uh, space I talked about. Um, and uh, he was he was working in uh, um, uh, for um, uh, another company in the um, design space, and um, we'd both been. Um, Looking at uh, internet security, because because uh, I've been looking at the uh, internet connected things space for a long time. So back before we'd uh, we'd uh, sold the business to Etas, we were doing some stuff in connecting. It's back in about ninety nine two thousand, in connecting uh, bits of electronics uh, on the internet. And in fact, our first project was with um, the racing division of one of one of the the car companies. They wanted to put a web server inside their engine management system, so that you could with a web browser. Um, mm access and tune up the, uh, uh, the the settings of the engine um, so oh, instead so you could I play from your desk when you were bored uh, yes yeah, so I think you had to take the uh, you had to take an Ethernet cable to the dash uh, from your laptop oh, okay. this, 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 this so, is yeah. bef- probably before Wi-Fi was really 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 mainstream um, so so we've kind of been in that space for a long time and I was very much in, uh, uh, of an early enthusiast in connecting stuff to the internet because you could do all the things that everyone now says is now completely mainstream thinking back then it was kind of avant-garde the future yeah we got uh, quite a bit of venture capital money to 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 go forward with that um um and then things things started to change as things start to get connected to the internet we started to see why we shouldn't be connecting things to the internet <laughs> um, yes yes, yes. I, I, so mm, so i've yes. i've uh, i've completely <laughs> flipped so nearly 20 years i've i've gone from uh, a complete poacher turned gamekeeper now yeah <laughs> Yeah, very much, <laughs> very much now. Um, uh, so I, I remember um, um, uh, visiting uh, uh, Volvo many, many years ago, saying that you, if you had internet uh, gateway into the car, you could do uh, over-the-air updates, you could do remote diagnostics, you could do all these things, mm. and uh, all these individual components could report back to their manufacturers and, and all the th- great things. And uh, they gave me um, <laughs> what can only be described as withering glances at the time, <laughs> which which really? I now which I now understand and completely. Can. Well, you know, car industry guys are conservative because they've seen lots of whizzy ideas go badly wrong. And uh, uh, yes, because of that particular company, though, considering some of the stuff they are suggesting their connected cars can do. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the things that people want to do in cars is indeed all the things that I said that could be done in the cars, and all the reasons that they said let's not do that uh, are probably actually the the ones that are much more valid um, than mm-hmm. they were. Um, but there we are. Um, I mean, the, the benefits that I, that I saw, you you can, uh, and in fact, it, it, auto, automotive is one of the one of the better um, uh, motivations for for putting stuff on the internet because uh, there is an awful lot of stuff you want to do. Is when your car has been sold and is out in the field in a, in, a, in, a, in a customer's uh, uh, garage or whatever, they they um, they're kind of like on the moon. Um, and if you want to be able to, to 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 diagnose things, to do predictive uh, maintenance and so on, um, over the air updates and stuff, that's that's actually something that's expensive to do now. 
with with uh, with kind of conventional take it to a workshop stuff. And um, there are a lot of benefits to be had, and a lot more than putting. I just saw recently a internet connected tap, which had crashed. Yes, I saw that. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the fact that it's got a screen that yeah, could have put the I code know, on like, was, oh. which I thought was utterly amazing. Oh. Someone has sat in a meeting and said, "No, no, what this needs is a screen." Yeah. Let alone we're going to connect it to the internet oh. for for whatever reason you need to connect a tap oh. to the internet, but to then say needs a screen as well that's actually too small to really see anything on. <laughs> yeah, it's not so. like it was a massive screen that was going to be a telly or something while you were washing your hands. It was just this <laughs> poxy little screen. Yeah. yeah, so there's a there's a lot of things you think why, but with cars there's lots of whys. So you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let, let's right. put it now, out there. Now, there, there I, I, nice whys. So yeah, I, 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 I know I go on a lot um, because I worry that perhaps not all the... Because I see all the internet of things. There are a couple yeah. of... Well, there's one particular Twitter handle, which is fantastic for bringing yes. up. Yes, um, <laughs> Which I'm not going to repeat. Not on a family uh, show. No, not on a family show. Uh, but it's, it's fantastic for showing the... L- the whole... Just, it's from Jurassic Park. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, and I get worried that some t- I get worried all the time, actually, not sometimes. Worried all the time that manufacturers are making this dash because they've heard this wonderful phrase and think, "Oh, we've got to be there. Yeah, we've got to be there." Without thinking it through. So, okay, you've you've. Can you tell us then, and and me, maybe try and get me to calm down a little bit and maybe remove the tinfoil hat slightly. Um, you've you've mentioned. The over-the-air updates can happen. So that's the, these are plus points for the manufacturer. Over-the-air, and therefore us as a consumer. But over-the-air updates. Now that, to me, does seem a sensible thing to do. Yes. Okay, I, I, will, yes. I will acknowledge that in the sensible section. This is going to be quite a small section from me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've just made that clear now in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> what, what else is is from uh the uh manufacturer's point of view is a is a good thing about being because we have to remember legislatively in the eu cars have to be connected now yeah i don't think the the sos yes that's right that's right so they do actually have to be connected from that point of view yes that's not an internet connection uh that's the telephone connection effectively yeah yeah. So um, they they do have to be connected. They uh, and from that they they're supposed to be able to report if there has been an accident. Yes. Uh, and the driver is not able to communicate that issue. Yes. Yes. So this technology is being forced upon, or part of this technology is being forced upon the manufacturers to start off with. So that's why we're having them anyway. Yes. So we've got. Um, let's go back to my original question. Though. So we've got over-the-air updates. What else is a plus point for the manufacturer? Um, there's, there's some of the nice features like um, um, where's my car in the car park, uh, remote unlocks because I've left the keys. Um, I'd like to um, uh, check where my teenage son is and uh, detune the car so it's, it's no longer a 200 horsepower car. Um, some of the insurance uh, driving stuff is much better done if it's done in an integrated way. 
um, sensibly in the vehicle. Through the manufacturer's than, thing. Through the manufacturer's, yeah. Plug in a black box. Which... Into the OBD2, which is the worst ever idea. So we've seen many... We've seen many reports on how inaccurate that's been, and yes. how. Uh, so you know, you've got that from one point of view. That yes. you know, it's. You said I'm going to do this with the car. The black box has reported this happens, and that doesn't match up with what you've done. And but they're only going to go off what the black box says. Yes. Yes. So this this, uh, by doing it through the manufacturer's software and connection we have the opportunity to be a much more accurate picture. It should be cleaner data. It should be completely clean yeah. data. Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, so, so there, there are, there, you know, that there are, so there are, there are um, little applications. And then if you opened up some of the car data um, in a controlled way to a third party API. <laughs> no, for example, if, if it was read only, um, it, it contained the fuel tank level, for example. Mm-hmm. Then, um, uh, or the range of the car uh, with the fuel tank, mm-hmm. it would be very nice if your uh, sat-nav app on your phone knew how many miles left in the tank and could plan what was the best place to refuel. Yeah, but the, right, okay. I've seen that and I've seen, because we get that in a very basic way on sat-navs now where the manufacturers have have got deals with or whoever the sat nav has been done by has got deals with specific um petrol companies yes okay and this this is this is the problem i have with it is the whole inverted commas selected partners and this isn't a connected this isn't the problem with the connected this is the problem of beyond the connected i i do acknowledge that and i'm this isn't but is the well someone has paid Mr. Satnav, lots of money to make sure only their petrol stations show up. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Whereas... That's just, like, stupid. Who Who has that kind of loyalty to a petrol station? <laughs> well, exactly. Instead of going, well, no, what will serve our customers better is if we say to them, here are all the petrol stations, and these are the five that, when you get down to the red light or a quarter of the tank left, are closest on your route. Exactly. Uh, and uh, you can take yeah. your pick because people will have dislikes for each of them. Yeah. Or most of them. and they'll uh, Or they'll have a loyalty card to one of them and go, well, actually, I prefer to go with that. Yeah. But not the expense of running out of petrol. Yes. But uh, yes, I, I, yeah. I don't love it so much that I want to walk. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. So uh, I mean, the White Ways actually has a nice because it's taken them so long to actually have along my route as, a, as an option mm. for points of interest along my route. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, the Ways that app has been doing that. That's probably one of the first ones I think they did that. Um, but but my point is 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 kind of if you open the data up um, and make it third you know, open to any third party, maybe passing some quality threshold then um like apple did with they have some apis and some stuff and the 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 number of apps that you can get for a phone that do all kinds of interesting things that apple couldn't possibly have imagined mm. means that the, the the platform evolves very quickly the problem with with cars is is they take four or five years to develop no one begins a car project with technology that isn't absolutely guaranteed to work on the day they start the project yeah. It has to be mature, proven technology. So cars are going on sale now 
who were which which were conceived when the iPhone was launched. Yeah. Um, you know, we, it's hard to even remember back that far of just how terrible and things were. The world were. was almost black and white then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, BBC Two Color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, the the car companies are never going to iterate as fast as the tech industry at these these things. No, so um, that that that's that's interesting actually because I, I for one forget that um, because we see the there is suddenly a land or a land a bit of a land grab on owning the ecosystem. Yeah, um, it's time, isn't it? sorry to make you sigh <laughs> at these cliche phrases. Yeah, well but, they are but, so old, aren't they? <laughs> but, but it is you know it's I saw something today that GM have opened up the API program to to third party apps. Ford have got their own one that they're yeah. in conjunction. So I think the car manufacturers have clearly realized the physical car moves much slower than the yeah. software can move, but we still want to keep people uh, in our, you know, in the, for example, the Ford brand or the GM brand and use our systems. Yes, I think so that they enough. are comfortable with our systems, yes. even if the car isn't yeah. the latest car because they can't afford a latest car or whatever. Yeah, uh, and that—that's yeah, that's I, interesting, I can see that. I no, I quite like that. That that seems to be quite working well because they, 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 all of those brands are big enough to sustain quite a large, enthusiastic um, third-party market for, mm. for for stuff. So you will get interesting stuff. And if the manufacturer gives up on the idea of trying to make money on on built-in sat-navs that have 400 quick map updates and <laughs> this, this it's just like yes. I, don't, I don't understand Please why they're trying to replicate or oh, read emails it's like i don't want to read emails oh my God, i've got a phone in no. my hand that i just well, put in the glove box why do i want anything on the car to do that it makes no sense that is the thing that i struggle with the most about the connected stuff we see so far and that's why on the one hand, I'm very reticent about opening up to third parties, but I'm I'm very excited to see it opened up to third parties, is that there's nothing I've seen yet that makes me say, oh, I see why that's in the car. Because I have a phone that is yeah. connected to the internet pretty much all the time yep. that will do everything you are offering to me. Yep. If I want it, and here's the other bit, if I wanted to do it yep. and I need for me to really get having a connected car and seeing why it's a benefit to me uh, beyond uh, updates over the airwaves so I don't have to take it into a, a dealer or I don't have to wait until it's my uh, servicing schedule yep. beyond that uh, I am not seeing a need to have a connected car from it's, what's it's, being offered. No, it's not a strong need, I would say. Um, I would think things like being able to remotely unlock the doors or um, blip, blip the indicators to find your car, uh, they're nice. Um, uh, but it's but not But there are ways around that. Oh, okay, the, the remote operating the keys, I can sort of see that a bit more yeah. than anything else. But all, but all the rest of it, well, all of it, actually, so far, there are ways around that now. If we thought a little bit, they are—they seem to be systems to deal with our own stupidity. Yeah, what's what's that? Oh, yeah, the, the Homer mobile, where he has the golf ball uh, on the on the on the car aerial, so he can spot his car. Yeah, car park. Yeah, so that's 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 how we always used to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, no, uh, no. I mean, no, yeah, none, none of it uh, is uh, shattered. It's not groundbreaking no, yet, is but, it? It's not yet, but, and and, I, and no. I'm desperate to see some of the future stuff that will make me go, oh, now I get it. Yes, that yeah. is absolutely perfect because that wouldn't work on a phone, that wouldn't work on a tablet, that wouldn't work from my office on a on a laptop. That is absolutely perfect in the car and will make such a difference to my life in a way I didn't see, which is what you were saying before about apps on the phone now. Yeah, there, so I've I, got I, I, apps yeah. there that, you know, 10 years ago, I never even dreamt I could do the stuff I can do on a phone now. Yeah, exactly. And the way, the way, the way to enable those is to get data that's in the car um, into those apps in some nice, safe way, I think. Meeting GDPR. There, I've said it. I've said it. Yeah. No, but if, <laughs> if it, like 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 the uh, the range of the car and uh, um, some of the climate control stuff, and if you could put some of the um, rapidly moving functionality into your phone uh, and just leave the car as a display, so that uh, you can do you could do a, a driver information system app that was running on your phone, um, but it displayed onto the uh, onto the uh, car display or the head up display. For example, that makes that's that would be really quite nice. And then I could just change the app to meet the aesthetics that I wanted or meet the information I wanted. Um, it's kind of like the CarPlay model that Apple's proposing, which is which is basically get get out of the way, stop trying to do apps yourself, give yeah. us the display, give us the speakers, so we play the music and the audio books off the phone. But I would yeah. like to use the buttons on the steering wheel to control the audio book. Well, I've I've used um, Apple's CarPlay in a few cars now. And I've heard people moan about it, uh, and I've heard people complain, but I think it does a fantastic job because it only shows those specific apps that would be remotely applicable to when I'm driving. Yeah. So it has my pod, you know, the particular third-party podcast app I like. It has the uh, Audible Books uh, app. Yep. Um, it's also got obviously Apple's ingrained music and podcast and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it and it for me Siri works very well. Yes, uh, I hope I haven't triggered it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I haven't triggered anybody's out there. I'm not going to say the keywords, but um, it works. The voice control works very well for me. Uh, I know it doesn't work for everyone in all the times, but it, it has worked for me very well. And that's the sort of level of connecting my phone to a car that I, I think is perfect. And I and yeah. when it was first announced that Android Auto and CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, were coming to so many manufacturers, I thought, they finally got it. They finally got it that they have messed this up for years and got people so frustrated and angry at infotainment systems. Yeah. We'll ship this off to someone else and let them do it. And everybody be really happy that they can use their phones in our cars and it's not a problem but we seem to be then going backwards slightly yeah with some manuals going uh no 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 no. we we need to control that you need to you need to get the you know wonderful car company app now thank you very much and from that we can tell you where restaurants are on our way and it seems to be sort of a a backwards step a little bit yeah well um i i just think that the model app I have with their phone is is the better way because it can iterate a lot faster. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a culture clash, and the the car industry needs to be in the culture that it is of of uh, safety, reliability, quality, uh, you know, at at the right price points, and the tech industry needs to be where it is, which is 
very fast iteration of stuff, uh, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and, uh, and, and, and moving quickly. Mm. And, and the culture clash is centered around infotainment. And like you say, the car industry has been failing for years and years and years at uh, infotainment. It's been terrible um, because of the culture and because of the, the, the constraints of the whole industry, the way that it works. And it, it couldn't be otherwise. In fact, I'd be, I'd be astonished if it was if it was ever solved because it, it would mean that the, the culture had been twisted. And the only way you could do it is to smush two, two com- companies together and have two separate cultures. But you, you might as well just have two separate companies. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. So, so I think that that's inevitably where it will go. And the popularity of uh, – I mean you see it all the time. People going to, you just have to go to a dealer and over here yeah. – the sales pattern stuff and it's can i connect my phone to the car no i don't want this car then well you see that that i have slight issues with as well because i've done quite a bit of research online because we are being told as consumers oh everyone wants to have a connected car and the only reports i can see that tell us that are from telecoms or car manufacturers <laughs> there's no just you know mr consumer advice company saying well you know this is what we expect because the only one i've seen that's remotely a consumer advice was an auto car survey where naught percent responded that they wanted their car that the the how connected their car was impacted their decision to buy a car this was a couple of years ago and i would also couch that with the person who was probably answering that is maybe not focusing so much on the tech side of things either yeah so it's a slightly biased uh corner of people that are responding or biased respondents but still i'm seeing we're we're being told and it's almost this well if we're told it enough times it must be true type thing i mean that doesn't get past the 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 fact that they are going to be connected and we are going to be offered this and told how we need to have it so you know it's a bit of a (laughs) <laughs> it's yes. a bit of a useless argument from my point of view, but it, it does. It, it, it's something I have looked into. And thought, well, who else has said this apart from telecoms manufacturers who are selling connecting a car to us and therefore yes. getting us to buy a subscription depending on which manufacturer it is, etc., oh. etc. Et which no, I, I can see connecting my phone to the car. Uh, there's, mm. there's a whole lot of things connecting the car directly to the internet. Um, aside from the kind of um, back office if you want to call it that uh, uh things is a very limited set of uh of functionality uh, yeah, obviously the, 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 the manufacturer is. wants us to pay for that if they can help it wow. they don't want to have to foot that bill i i understand that as well yes that's going to be very difficult isn't it yes quite so um when it, you so you've gone into the the security side of things so what are the uh areas and the types of things that manufacturers need to be concentrating on and probably are i'm i've got my fingers crossed they are yes i don't know the technical side so obviously this is this is me yeah perhaps being a bit um facetious a little bit here and i don't mean to be but uh you know I, i'm presuming that manufacturers are paying all of them are, uh, understand this and are paying this a lot of attention yes um because it would be uh crippling to their company and their business if they didn't and that came out so i can understand yes. they probably are it's quite yes. fundamental now yes yes there's there's laws coming down the line uh, uh, in 
in Europe and the US. Um, and there are the kind of laws of criminal negligence type laws. Um, so yes, they will be paying a, a attention to this. Um, so, and, so what are the areas the that they need to be paying attention to? What are, what are the sort of things that need to be considered when it comes to connecting a car to the internet? Um, well, my company's focus is the last ditch to keep the bad guys off the control bus or the buses. Um, so that there's there's a whole uh, what's called defense in depth. So there's a whole layers of, of defense because uh, you don't want people screwing around with stuff just to just to annoy. You don't want ransomware on your infotainment display. Um, Please but you, no. <laughs> but you definitely don't want them on 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 the uh, control bus detonating airbags and moving the steering wheel while you're driving. No, that's not. Uh, that really isn't very good. Um, and you definitely, definitely don't want it done to 100,000 cars at the same time. Oh, God, no. uh, um, because that's virtually the equivalent of a nuclear strike on a country's infrastructure. Uh, I mean, if you gridlocked every major road in this country with crashed cars, you would just, well, move back to the Stone Age. In the... Well, if you, did, if you were clever, you wouldn't even have to do that much, would you? There'd be, no. There's probably a dozen areas that would, Cripplers. Yes, so a hundred thousand cars of a of a, a medium range model, in terms of volume, medium volume manufactured model that had a particular vulnerability, and you just took them all out at the same time. Um, and before anyone knew it, every motorway and every A road would be blocked, and then who who is going to be the emergency services when they can't drive to become the emergency services on duty, and who's going to run the airports when you can't get the staff in or out? And 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 and, <laughs> and yes. if, if at the same time and, then, to... and then we end up weeping quietly in the corner, well, it, it, backwards it, and forwards. And if if they happen to to also take the time to take down the the electricity grid because that's what we're doing, and the telecom backbone. I mean, uh, and, and, and you know, so we're blind, deaf, and can't move. Yeah. So we see this happen. Uh, we know there are there are probes and uh, test beds going. You know, the Ukraine is being used as a test bed for a bunch of this stuff. Um, and the great benefit of this compared to something like a nuclear weapon is, is it's deniable. Um, it's really hard to work out where it came from. Um, and you can then go on that land afterwards. Well, it's, yeah, it's like a neutron bomb. It destroys yes. people and not uh, and not property. Yes. Um, yeah. So so you know it. it and it's it's I don't think it's a tinfoil hat to be seeing these things. We've we've seen some really mild uh, attacks on Windows XP um, with with WannaCry and so on, and mm -hmm. that's done to hospitals. And that's mild stuff. That's just uh, script kiddies that 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 managed to get hold of of um, weaponized stuff that the the, the NSA had, uh, had had stolen and leaked. So yes. you know this is this is uh, <laughs> it's quite feasible. So so the idea here is to is to is to really uh, be that last bastion to make sure that they can't get onto the control network and they can't smash the car up. That they um, so I, I, we, our focus is is on the control network. So the other parts of the car, you know, your audio books and, uh, and your infotainment system and stuff is um, is is a separate. Um, problem and that uh, there's there's a whole number of companies that are addressing that and the further away from the control networks you get the more out of my domain expertise um and more into to mainstream tech so it's it's 
not something I'm focusing on for that. So have all manufacturers got the uh, the control system separated from, say, the infotainment? You know, because uh, having read a bit about it, and again, you know, I fear that I know a little and enough to be dangerous in this stuff and therefore might be misinterpreting things. But from what I've read is one of the fundamentals is to separate these systems out from each other so that, say, that, that you know, that you through the infotainment system you cannot access say the abs system well they are connected together in indirectly but they are connected together um, in, so so when i'm seeing that am i uh well there's various levels of constraint placed on the infotainment system's ability to to access the the vehicle network so for example most cars they have multiple can buses so there's one for the powertrain um there's one for um, uh, well, there's sometimes several so the safety system, powertrain systems, and they normally gateway together through like a, a router, okay. um, and there'll be a, a, a body stuff. Sometimes front front cabin body, sometimes rear rear cabin body. So they they partition the networks up mostly for bandwidth reasons uh, and mm-hmm. kind of architectural reasons. Um, and infotainment will typically sit on one of those uh, because it needs to have it needs access to to things like vehicle speed, so you can change the volume. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, the speed. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of little functions that uh, little needs to pick up data from, and and send uh, data from. And as we're moving, uh, one of the the design goals of safety systems is to reduce drivers' clutter. So they're trying to eliminate a lot of buttons, mm. uh, and moving to soft buttons and setup menus and so on on the infotainment system. So disable airbag is no longer a button that's wired to a switch that is read somewhere that gets sent through to the airbag now it's a touchscreen button on an app that runs on the infotainment and then the infotainment sends the command saying disable the airbag Hmm. which is nice from a safety perspective for the clutter side but when you look at the security side if the infotainment is taken over and and hacked it's now got the authority to send uh, a disable airbag command yeah uh, or change the suspension settings of the car, or you know all the things that you and that's can do in the setup been a bug in the uh, in the software as well, because I know there's been uh, one manufacturer that's had a, a few teething problems with that whole. Uh, let's put everything in a touchscreen type move, y- which yes. I think in a few years yes. will be the way to go. But right now, we still need buttons as well. <laughs> Yes. So, so yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's hard enough to actually get this stuff to work reliably at all. And you, you know, we've all seen pictures of crashed infotainment systems with Linux and Windows and error messages and so on. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it's hard enough to get this. It's very complicated. Chunks and chunks and chunks of open source software. It's vast uh, uh, complexity. You know, it's it's like a uh, an Android tablet or a, uh, or a laptop in terms of. The amounts of software that go into just just the core of of, of putting a, a windowing computer system in, mm. uh, so it's hard enough just to get them to work reliably. And Linux and 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 these these uh, these operating systems they're not designed for that really tight hard real time control stuff that that we talked about. Where, you know, um, we're talking measuring things in microseconds. Mm. Um, so you're mating effectively a, a, a mainstream computing desktopy type operating system environment to the the control network um so there's there's going to be a an engineering clash uh, to try and get them to, to to sort of sit together and work well 
Uh, that's already a challenge. Um, and then in the presence of people actively trying to smash that up um, um, by hacking them is, uh, is a whole different uh, level of challenge. Um, so, so what I focused on is, is that last ditch because I, I think it's going to be impossible to secure 100% all the time the, the uh, a system that's as complex as the infotainment system. Um, I just don't think it can always be kept secure. Um, we, we see this from desktop machines. No, no matter how secure um, a, you, uh, a tight security shop you run in, 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 a, in a company's uh, IT kit, it's always vulnerable. Um, you, you know, you, you see all kinds of uh, attacks of like um, just fonts. If you uh, the the way fonts are, are are downloaded and handled, if you maliciously craft a font file and send that. Um, in a web page that's then browsed, you can actually cause the browser to crash in a certain way, and that's used then to hijack the the computer it's running on. Um, and there are millions of lines of code uh, of this stuff. Um, it's just vast complexity. Uh, well, um, okay. Well, bearing that in mind, uh, and without getting too paranoid and scared. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't think it's too bad. If your if your infotainment system got hijacked, I don't think it's too too. It's not as catastrophic because you'll physically still got the vehicle. Um, you could physically still drive the, the vehicle. If controls are going through the, uh, you know, if so many of the controls are going through the infotainment system now. The screen. It does. Um, yes, I, I okay. I hear what you're saying. You can you can take it somewhere to then be plugged in and have a dealer reset. Yeah. I suppose because, or a it's... USB socket on the front, and you could do it yourself if necessary. I, th- I think I think you could probably um, have sufficient physical control over it to to, to bring it back. Um, and it's it's not like your desktop computer where they're going to hijack your files and ransom them, and it's, you're not going to keep your web processor documents on there. It's, it's not as long, it's as, not, they, as, long <laughs> as they can't get onto the um, the control bus. The control bus. You, we don't have the. Sorry, you must pay us X number of bitcoins so that you can switch yeah. your car on and yeah. I, get I, home. Or, you I know. think I think you can control it to that level, um, and yeah, it could be major embarrassment. So, so we so so the manufacturers and the safety systems should be able to deal with that. That's that's what we're focusing on on, okay. uh, and then that's what your your team yeah. is doing. Okay, um, just here's a, here's another slight question then. Because of the Internet of Things, and this is one of the uh, ways that manufacturers are selling connected cars to us, is to say things like, but you can see what's in your fridge, and uh, you will know who is at home, and if you have this particular home network system. Does being connected to an Internet of Thing thing (laughs) open up the vehicle's connection to the potential of being um, susceptible to access by naughty people. Well, yes, so the lack of yes. security from another. Yes, yes. Thing. I mean, that's that's how a lot of these intrusions work. Is 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 they'll get through firewalls because mm-hmm. um, they're legitimate traffic to a fridge, um, and then when they're in the fridge, they hijack the fridge, lie around in wait, have a sniff around the home network, and see what else is there, and then hop onto that. So your car, your car may not actually be directly connected to the internet. It may just have a Wi-Fi chip, and you park it, and it connects to your home network because you wanted to be able to say it was electric. You want to be able to see how it's charging from mm. the phone app, and it's on your home network. So you, 
you're not on the internet because they're trying to reduce risk and yet you have unbeknown to you your tv was hijacked um by something targeted at uh, at uh, uh, owners of a particular brand of car and then mm. uh, and then it jumps onto the car that's i mean we've seen that at the kind of um, commercial industrial level is is um this was how one of the the, the major retailers in the u.s had their um, um Point of sale terminals hacked yeah. it's, it, via an air conditioning unit, yep. um, and then they jump onto the point of sale terminals, and then they sit there and then they wait. And they, I think it was there for weeks and weeks and weeks because um, it because it, 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 it credit card yeah because it wasn't <laughs> actually causing any uh, any known problems. It's the stuff that tells you that it's there and demands a ransom is easily squashed. It's the stuff that yeah. doesn't tell you it's there. Yeah, and so, you know, how long has it been there before it said anything? Type, yeah, yeah. Type worry. So, is there anything that can be done security-wise to mitigate the weakness of another item on your network, or are you that there is nothing that say the car manufacturer can do about that? That, that just happens to be the fact that you've got uh, a weakened fridge, for the sake of argument. Tough luck because you've connected to that network. Yeah. So the manufacturer have got to put uh, strong defences in, even though they uh, they're not connecting what they think directly to the internet. Um, they're on a Wi-Fi chip to a home network. They've still got to put in all the defences, all the firewalls, um, uh, in 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 the infotainment system to keep it secure from from your home network. Mm. Um, you know, because you, you see this in the uh, the wider internet things. Like, oh, it's only going in a home network. It's not going on the internet. It's only a light switch. It's like, well, it will be. <laughs> it because can well be attacked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your PC is on the network. Your Windows XP that you've let your kids play with, and they've clicked on things and downloaded all sorts, and uh, that PC has been hijacked. Mm. Um, and now it can look around the network and do what the hell it likes. Um, yeah. So you can't assume that just because you're not directly on the internet that um, things won't uh, won't have a pop at it. Um, okay. So, um, okay. I, I don't want to keep going down this line because i'll get utterly depressed uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's I mean, it's keeping you gainfully employed so that's a good thing um <laughs> but um so what what do consumers need to ask or buyers need to ask the manufacturers when they're going for a car i think i think at the moment it's probably so early that uh and these functions as you say are so un undemanded probably most people will never plug it into the internet mm. um so probably right now it's it's kind of low risk i would say um from the stuff that's out there now but it's it's one of those things it's like you know 12 months is a long time in tech um well i'm just waiting for defcon to go go on because there's a car hacking village so i'm, I'm yeah. interested to see yeah. what they come out with uh, well you know, I, and, and to yeah. the levels of hacking they do because a lot of these are because they have plugged into a system physically plugged into a system and that's different from what we're talking about yeah here. exactly right so a lot of the uh really high profile car hacking was actually fairly lame it was really gee whiz look once you once you get onto the control bus look at the things you can do you can flash the headlights and stop the car but doesn't, that, doesn't that make though I, I agree with you completely but doesn't that make the the whole oh we can do a concierge service with your car thing really quite maybe i'm being too paranoid now but i feel that's quite risky that your the, the manufacturers are suggesting oh we'll get this complete stranger to come and access your car and open your boot which is where a lot of these connectors are 
And if they were a particularly naughty person and they wanted to access, they could get in via there because they they suddenly have physical access to the inside of your car. Yes, I, I think that's I think that's an issue. Um, people are, are way too um, comfortable with plugging stuff into the OBD2 connector now. Um, you know, Android phones over Bluetooth and stuff, and I think that's going to lead to trouble um, when the ecosystem is big enough to to warrant someone attacking it. Um, now, okay, the the guy that can get into your car and 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 hack it is for you. That's an issue. But uh, for this, uh, the whole alternative nuke um, thing is, is less worrying because that's the thing that really keeps me awake at night is the, uh, um, the, the, the attack on a country's infrastructure using vehicles. Um, I think that's the biggest risk um, that we should be concerned about. Um, and then there's the individual risk of, of uh, towards individual customers. And there's a lot of issues there. I mean, we've seen um, lots of examples. The... Um, Wi-Fi hotspots that have been run inside a car so you can connect your phone and an app on it to the vehicle that we've been talking about. Um, only the security is, is uh, as, like, not naming any names, but been so terrible that um, anybody walking down the street could hack into your car um, with, with a phone or a laptop. Um, and then worse still is, uh, I don't know if you know, but all of, every, every Android and iPhone uh, out there are, are sniffing Wi-Fi addresses as you walk down the street um, to, to, to plot a big map because they use that for navigation without needing to turn the GPS chip on. Um, so there are massive databases of sniffed uh, addresses. So uh, if you wanted to know where all the owners of this particular model of car live, uh, you can go to that database. And the, uh, because the addresses come in certain blocks assigned to the manufacturer, you can um, locate every single one of the many thousands of cars that are vulnerable to this uh, precisely uh, across the country mm. and you know where to drive to to, to steal one um, when, yeah I mean I know the, um, <laughs> like crazy. the concern you have with the you know the, uh, like the nuclear attack one um, I, I know that that is one that is definitely considered at higher levels and is one that they do map out um, scenarios yes. and how to deal with that um, yeah. because they it, it's when I found out, I was pleased to see that they were paying that attention. Uh, um, particularly if we move, okay, we're talking about connected cars now, but if we move that and the next logical step, which is automated, that makes it even, you know, scarier, if <laughs> if you will, you know, a, a, an automated vehicle in which there is, uh, you know, if if that ever came to be, and um, you know, from what you said earlier about the whole, is it really going to happen? There's all these these elements that suggest it sh it, it can't. Well, um, it, it might happen such that you it was safe normally to drive on a motorway, but it got hijacked and then just turned into an automated car and all, all the safety systems overridden and it was then driven down the street. Uh, that's yeah. a distinct possibility. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and that, that is... That, you <laughs> that's know, scary. Yeah, that is absolutely <laughs> scary because... Uh, that would take relatively little effort, little expense, and um, only need a few vehicles to do that in which to grind a country to a halt. We've all seen it, what it's like on the motorways if there's a couple of crashes. Yeah. You know, the, if the M25 and the M40 and the M5 had accidents, then, you know, you, that whole segment just doesn't move. 
I mean, it wasn't... Uh, it was a couple of years ago, there was one where people were stuck for 12 hours or so on the motorway because yes. of accidents. Well, you you wouldn't even need an automated car. You've just got these uh, existing models yeah, out yeah, there that yeah. with self-steering, and uh, you just take control of the steering remotely and just yeah. yank the wheel, basically, to cause an accident. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't have to do very many before um, before you'd uh, you'd caused mayhem. Okay, so with that, without obviously without really, um... <laughs> kind of terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna... I'm not even going to get my bicycle because the cars can't recognise me. Um, yes, I'm, yes. Just, I'm just going to sit and hide in a tower somewhere. Uh, but um, with your company, and obviously you cannot, uh, or I wouldn't ask you to reveal um, industry secrets or anything, um, because one, uh, I wouldn't understand. Uh, and two, you know, you this is what your, your business is built on. You know, and I, w- I wouldn't dream to... Um, try and compromise that position in any way because it's incredibly unfair but uh is there how can you explain what you're trying to do you said that you're trying to you're trying to be the 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 last barrier yes yes um so so what we assume is that um all of of the outside um uh, uh the all the the networks that are um that aren't the control networks the the infotainment systems and so on anything that's connected to a a wireless radio of some kind. Uh, we just assume that that's compromised and is not trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can uh, only communicate if it fits a very, very specific pattern of communication that it's allowed to do and nothing else. Okay. Uh, and then we uh, we're, we're our, so it's going to give like the secret knock. Um, well, that's actually one of the features we have. It has that option. Oh, right. the, the, the manufacturer can indeed set it up to have a yeah a secret knock um, that's different white for every... White rabbit, white rabbit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different for every vehicle as well. So once somebody hacked one car, they couldn't then oh, okay. right, uh, yeah, yeah. publish the secret knock elsewhere. But um, So the, the idea is that it's a separate chip that's um, completely uh, its own thing. And uh, yeah, we, we have developed the chip. Uh, and and all the software that runs inside that chip, um, and uh, it acts as a, a barrier uh, and and patrols everything coming in from the outside and doesn't trust it. It also um, I patrols, like this already. It doesn't it trust also, anything. Yeah, it doesn't trust it. We, <laughs> we don't trust anything. So so um, uh, one of the concepts is, is diagnostics. Is is a lot of the way the connectors are being done now means that the connectors for diagnostics are on the untrusted side. Um, oh, okay. even in the factory for when it's manufactured. Um, so we have various uh, uh, techniques to allow temporary trust for things that are trustworthy, um, which have a secret. Well, look. I mean, if if you're going to go down the uh, the nuclear option, then getting someone on the inside of the factory is not infeasible to no. implement implant things to... No to get on the inside of a system. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, is, what's the TV show is the Americans or something, you know, it's like a sleeper cell. Yes. It, it, and again, this, this all sounds very fanciful and this sounds very paranoid, uh, to people who aren't interested or do not know so much about security, but this is realistic. It is. This it is. is, this is very, very realistic. This is very real. And, this is because um, we we see stuff being reported in the mainstream, and people sort of just go, "Oh, whatever." 
and you know but that's the sort of stuff that goes on and it takes a long time and and uh large corporations or large uh businesses whether that's a you know a criminal business or a, a legal business or countries are prepared to take a long time yes you get to an execution yes you know this isn't somebody just happened to find an open fire escape and walked in this is very planned out very long time yes to, to, to make this happen uh, and we have to appreciate that we are talking tens of years to get to a point where they can execute a, a plan they've got to yep. make something dreadful happen yep and uh well we've, we've seen a couple of examples of this with the um with juniper uh security routers and firewalls is in fact not just once twice in the same in the same product uh where Obviously, a, a corrupted insider um, injected a bug into the security software in the secure sockets layer that allowed um, a backdoor in. And in fact, it wasn't just one that another um, presumably three-letter agency had infiltrated. And there was a second completely unrelated uh, uh, backdoor that was put in. Um, yeah. So they've been infiltrated at least twice, possibly without the two actors knowing each other. In fact, I assume they didn't. Uh, possibly two separate countries. Um, uh, a critical piece of security equipment um, that the, let them uh, then, of course, um, roam at will through through um, corporations' uh, internal networks. Mm. Um, and, that, so, and that's so, the yes. other thing is people have to realise that companies will do this because of industrial espionage. Yes, getting this information. Yes. Is vital to these, you know, because these people are under immense pressure from shares, holders, and all the rest of it to make the money, make the money. As we've seen from what's being alleged in the cartel, as we've seen um, Volkswagen did over Dieselgate, people are under such immense pressure that they make poor decisions. Uh, maybe not the decisions you and I would make, but we're never in, we are not in the same position that they are in, or they were in the time that they made the decision to move down a line and then once you start down that line it's very difficult to stop it so you know it, it's not just people who want to hurt people it is about stealing information to gain an advantage and uh you know cars are are going to be a vital part of that as well because they can help map a person's movements and their life yes uh, yes. And you know you can use that information to paint a picture of someone and their habits and where they go, and it you know you can find stuff out that it reveals so much about us that we don't appreciate as well. But again, uh, before I get too paranoid and too <laughs> tinfoil hatty, well, but... there's examples of all of these. It's, it's perhaps not widespread yet, but there are examples of all case cases of all the things you talk of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um. Just one. One more question. What? Okay. This is. This has been quite a, a a recent move in the motor industry, and typically motoring journalists are people who who can describe how a vehicle drives, what it's like to live with, and things like that. What are the sort of questions journalists do you do you think journalists should be asking manufacturers when? When it comes to presentations on their connected information and and you know this this new move that way, that's a very good question. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> because they're yes. for for us buyers, they're they're the people who get the chance to ask the questions yeah. and and put the manufacturers on the spot to a certain degree. 
to really dig down and help us make informed choices? Yes, I think probably um, it, it would be to demand more um, visibility of, of the things that have been put into the car and how they've been connected up. Mm-hmm. And although although the journalists may not be able to um, assess using Wi-Fi with uh, with Linux 2.6 kernel on a blah blah blah, <laughs> if if that information has been disclosed in a PR pack at a press conference and a driving day, and then is made available on a website and so on, lots of people will who who, who will understand that. We'll have a go at well. Uh, the, the the tech side of the internet yeah. is very good at going drilling yeah. down on a on a set yeah. of specs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and provided, uh, I, I think perhaps journalists have to work with 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 people uh, um, so that when that is then analysed and and sort of fed back, it can be retranslated um, um, back into into uh, uh, human speak. Um, for, for well, the yeah, that, I mean that's the trick they've got. They've got to pull off is they have to now. They they don't just have to be. Uh, this is the this is the car. They have to be able to translate tech speak to help us. Yeah. Uh, or you know just general member of public who goes on to whatever website to to look at options for cars to help them make the best decision they can. And uh, with that information, you know, because it. it if if one if a couple of cars are quite close together, but one has issues with how they are currently set up connection wise compared to another, then that's the same as saying, well, this one is pretty grim when you're in gears one to four, but when you cruise on the motorway, it's fine. But if so, if you just drive around town, this one's no good for you, but this other one is fine. It's yes. We have to we have to have as much information as we can as a buyer to be able to make the best decision we can. Yes, and you can see this all the time. Is is the the the, the car companies are terrible at explaining their own their own car features. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I I mentioned it on manufacturer, and they and they said absolutely. We and as an industry have been appalling at this, and we need to get better. Yeah, I, I was just mocking uh, on Twitter today. Someone was talking about options. He, he was looking at a, a car because I, I don't know if it's same with you, but I like to build cars on the web and the configurator <laughs> and, and sort of window shop. This, this, I must have built thousands of interesting I, cars. I, I like may that. have been known to have done that yes, once yes. or twice. Yes, so I, I, you know, it's kind of like yes. So uh, and then I, I, I just said, you know. Oh, um, uh, city emergency braking. What's that? And you click on the what's that, and it shows you a picture of a street, and then under the bottom is an HG part number. Okay. I mean, we must have all come across these appalling configurators, and you click for help, and and it makes Microsoft help look look helpful. Um, and, Where and is it's the like, paper clip? Yeah, and if if they can't explain in their own website in a configurator where you've got the customers maximum attention mm. and you can't explain what it even does let alone why it does it better than someone else's or or, or whatever um i mean you see that with because uh, because i i want my next car to have um ad- adaptive cruise because uh, mm-hmm. you can't hardly use cruise on the roads today they're so busy yeah um and so many car manufacturers talk about a cruise control with braking function and you think is that adaptive cruise Mm. Or is that just that the car will slow down uh, by using the brakes as well as just taking the gas off? 
Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the latter in most cases. But it's a hell of a game to try and even find out that. And if, if they could have explained it that poorly at that level, um, then the idea of trying to get them to under, to explain the infotainment system's remote start feature is is very difficult. So I, I think this is where actually journalists can, can make the best start is, is already the tech toys is to really start um, – doing a proper review because they're the things that you can get the least info on the brochures are unhelpful the dealers almost never have the car in stock with the feature yeah uh so so my self-parking thing i was the first one to ever buy it uh, from the dealer and they had no ability to demonstrate it and <laughs> you know it's one of, it's one of the things how that, much that, was that feature i think it was no, it was about 250 pounds i think okay Okay, so it's, it's you know a nice little option to sell. It was probably or not not dreadful if it didn't work, but you're no, still so, taking a bit of a punt. Though. I did indeed take a punt on it, and it and it's one of those things that draws a crowd when people see it working. It's a lovely, it's like mm. the SLK roof. It is a f- fabulous little feature. Um, and I'm now no, going to show off everyone. Yes, <laughs> and no, no one is no one's able to to sell it, um, and it's only because I'm a bit of a geek that 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 you can. You know, take the punt on it, but uh, so so really, uh, uh, the industry, both the, the the seller and the and and the media, I think, have to really up their game on 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 being a bit more techy. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I think you're right, though. I, yeah, I th- I think looking for help from outside the motoring journalism area to to help translate what these things mean. Is is a good start because um, I I've seen stuff being reported recently that's made me quite cross um, be, because it just wasn't accurate. Mm. They were reporting they were basically reporting what manufacturers were saying, yet not making it clear that a certain aspects weren't legal. <laughs> b that you know particularly not in this country, let alone most countries, uh, and b that it was self-diagnosed. You know, so if you're going to say these things, you need to make it clear to, you know, because it, it, I happen, I only happen to know that because I'm, I'm, sorry, I've got to say inquisitive now, not nosy, inquisitive, mm-hmm. and you know, I, you know, I've got this podcast, so now I pay this stuff a lot of attention. But if I hadn't been doing that, I would have just glanced at headlines and glanced at information and gone, oh, that's true then, and walked around as though that's that's the truth, and it's not the case. We we need. We've got to. This information has to be reported in an accurate way, in a language that the readers understand it. And I think that. And I don't. I don't envy any motoring journalism. No, I'm, not having, I'm not having a, a, a big pop no. here at motoring journalism, but it, it, in any stretch of the imagination, I do not envy the people who have to put this out in print or who have um, big websites. It's not easy. And it is a difficult thing because a lot of the a lot of the people are being asked to now learn an extra discipline they that they weren't interested in before, but are now having to be interested in. Yes, we're sort of getting there with uh, the reporting now of, of things like plug-in hybrids and the issues of range, recharge time, type of recharge socket, um, how smart the, the the battery management is. Uh, I see this before it used to be it's a plug-in hybrid and has blah blah mpg in a great range 
And it's like, I bet it doesn't. Um, mm. uh, and now we're starting to see people of like, well, we took it for a test drive and we drove it like this and we measured this mileage and it took this long to charge and we found a charging point after looking at blah. And so now, it, because they're becoming a bit more uh, realistic as, mm. a, as a vehicle class, we're starting to see some some really quite good analysis. So I saw, I saw some very good write-ups on the second generation i3 um, of of how that electric car and the range extender actually works um, and what it actually means to own one and drive it um, and it's a very it is a really quite it's very hard to sell an electric car with a range extender um, and then say no but it's not a plug-in hybrid it's an electric car with a range extender and and explain what that means mm. um, and uh, uh, to then have the journalists uh, follow up on that and actually sort of fill out more than more than the manufacturer has done um, it's, it's been, I saw some good, good, good write-ups of that. So we need to get, I think, more, more kind of um, detail-oriented on 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 some of these features. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's that's awesome, and thank you so much for um, talking me through that. Because uh, on the one hand, uh, it's uh, helped me understand that I, I am worried remotely about the right things. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not worried enough. Um, so <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. What I'd like to do now is move on to the quick fire questions. Um, uh, if that's all right with you. All right. And, uh, I'm going to ask you the normal first question and hopefully not interrupt too much, but is what currently excites you about the motoring world? Um, I'm, I'm really excited by, by, um, the, the transition to electric. I, I didn't mean, ele- well, if we can get it electric electric um but the, the whole way the plug-in hybrids work and how we can knock on the heads 50 percent of our fuel uh carbon fuel uh would be fantastic um that's that's really and and it's it's so close to um viability particularly on the generation side with photovoltaics we're getting to grid grid parity with with with, with coal and you know you're starting to look at a real step change in the whole way transport works so yeah, I'm I'm really quite optimistic. Well, I think for so many people in this country, uh, if they really looked at what they did with a car, they would find that an electric vehicle is actually a viable option for them. Um, I think people presume they do many more miles than they do, and they have their vehicle for the two weeks in summer when they drive to Scotland or something, yeah. rather yeah. than think... Well, actually, for the money I'm going to save across the rest of the year, we can hire something for those two weeks and still have money in our pocket. And it's 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 helping to get a mind shift. I think that's what needs yeah. to be done now. It's I think we've got enough momentum in the press to show that electric vehicles are good and they've got decent range um, for many people. But it's helping them understand that mind shift uh, in and I think this is part of the drive on some of the options that people see for the future of transportation is you're picking the right vehicle for the right job rather than trying to have one car that does everything. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, it's changing our perception into that, that might, that I think will really make EVs take off. Um, but I, but I think they are a fantastic bit of kit and, you know, fantastically interesting, um, 
extra way to drive around. I'm not going to give up on V8s or anything, but equally, I think an electric vehicle definitely has a place. I mean, the the level of... uh, It's almost serenity as you're driving one because of the quiet and the the relaxed way in which you drive it is, is a different way of moving around. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't know. Oh, I agree. I think we're right on the cusp. Um, mm. You know, I've seen some of the things about the the recharge times, um, and it's like oh, I could see driving to Scotland in an electric vehicle that took 15 minutes to get me the next 200 miles. Mm. It's like that's not that difficult. Yeah, because you know, yeah. I'm having a cup of coffee in that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like yeah, you know, I, mean, I have to stop anyway. Yeah, and it, you know. 15 just minutes for, is just not that break. much more than petrol. Just uh, for a break, let alone the, yeah. the fact that you know my tank might be still half full so I could technically still do it, but just for the break. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's at the, exactly that, that level we're just crossing over now. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Um, so what currently worries you about the motoring world? Um, I'm really quite worried about the, the, the whole um, diesel scandals and stuff and how, well... What else there is uh, to, to be found uh, that's horrifying, and then secondly, what kind of backlash there'll be against it? Um, well, there's already the anti-car brigade yeah. and the anti-diesel, um, and you can see that that's been taken up by the mainstream press that don't really understand what they're bleating on about, and then now uh, because of that, politicians have got involved who yeah. uh, are mainly worried about their the majority of them are worried about getting voted in next time so they're just going to jump up and down on whatever the bandwagon is there are a few that understand the situation there are a few that are articulating the the argument in a in a balanced and a, and a good manner but you know you you look at what london's proposing and you just think well that's just lazy thinking it's like, what just, about all the just, cars that didn't, that don't pollute? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you're just you're just going to charge. There's no there's no clever thinking about well, how can we reduce the need for people to want to get in their car apart from say, give us money, you know? And it's yeah. that's what yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, that's what really worries me because I can see uh, I I can see just more charges being laid upon motorists again and again and again um, and once it happens in london it will spread to other cities and once it happens to the cities it'll go out into the country and we'll all be affected by it yes I, it's it's the it's the concrete boots stamping on it um mm. there there are issues and the, the whole the whole um dieselgate knox thing is is appalling and um i can see i can see if you if you if if there is a car that still right now is not complying with regulations and it is emitting huge amounts uh, more pollution then by all means we have to do something about that uh, and if 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 that means forcing the manufacturer to compensate the scrap or if it means um, you've got to pay higher tax why uh, and then the manufacturer has to pay you um, you know all of those things but uh, to say every single car no matter whether it's made last year and conforms to the latest standards or was made 20 years ago and is a, is a smoker um, the it's ridiculous uh, to 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 have no no recognition that there are different categories of these things. Mm. No. So yeah, that's scary. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay then. So uh, so far, 
in in the lovely cars that you have had to drive, what has been your favourite one to drive? Oh, the, is that? The, oh, the M3. And, uh, yeah, the M3 is <laughs> the best. And you, you know why, of course. <laughs> I don't really have to explain why the M3 is a lovely car to drive. <laughs> because of the uh, the fuel economy it gave you, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. I think I averaged about 32 of it. It wasn't that bad. Oh, a lot of people get it. I dream of 32 with my yeah. Saab 9.3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it okay, wasn't then. that bad. Yeah. No, no, it's excellent. I, mean, I can't get anywhere near that. Um, so what has been your least favourite car to drive and why is that? I think probably the SLK in then because it was the biggest disappointment um, uh, because of the gearbox and the engine. Um, it was just the wrong combination. Yeah, I just think it was uh, it, it was, a, it was a great car in many other ways. Um, uh, I, I, I would have said the Yaris, but I think that's being very unfair on the Yaris because I think it's a perfectly accomplished car for what it is. It's just everything else was kind of a special car. Um, yes. So, so by those, by 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 which is the most disappointing car standards, uh, I think we've put the SOK down. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. So, what car would you like to own next? I want the next one to be a plug-in hybrid electric because uh, I work from home. I can almost certainly knock most of the miles on down as electric mm-hmm. and as you say you, you're more wafting around the console of a spaceship when you're driving an electric car yep um and there is is a lovely feeling so um i would that's that's what i want but there's not very many plug-in hybrids at the moment uh, again we're just starting again because of the five-year r&d delay we're just starting to get some very very good ones uh coming uh, yeah so uh, yeah, I'm a lot of the premium on. ones are all yes we can do 15 miles on electric type thing and that's not really what we're after as consumers we need more than that yeah uh, and yeah. they they I think the premiums need to catch up quite a lot uh, I mean I know there's a few uh, like the Audi e-tron um, and there's there's obviously the BMW i series um, but I think generally as a but you've you've obviously got Lexus who, you know, have many years of their hybrid technology. Yes. But I think a, a, as a general group, the premium the, the premium market needs to really up its game on the the whole hybrid technology side. Yes. I mean the the GTE looks very good. I haven't driven one, but um, on paper it looks extremely good. Mm. Um, and then there's the new uh, the the new plug-in uh, Mini. Um, so in terms of the, I mean, obviously a small car is not a perfect platform for a, for a hybrid with all the extra weight, but, um, we're starting to see some very nice cars coming. So by the time I intend to keep this car until it falls to bits, um, <laughs> so uh, by the, by the time it's fallen to bits, uh, I think there'll be some very, very nice choices. We'll be having flying cars by then. You know, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, and you get to it with a jetpack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. After after getting off your hoverboard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Um, what is your favourite road to drive on? Uh, that's that's very tricky. Um, I used to like Snake Pass, um, oh. but uh, I don't know. It's 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 because there are just lots of cars on the roads now. I mean, the the the, the road I used to drive on a lot, which is which was uh, up in Yorkshire when I lived uh, near, near York. Um, uh, on the west side uh, towards Kaywood and, and Selby there's some fantastic little country uh, road drive uh, and because it's all flat and you can see there's no hedgerows blocking everything so you can see and, and some uh, uh, so that you can know there's nothing coming and there's some nice challenging 
corners. Uh, that was that was where I drove the cappuccino a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very nice. Okay, excellent. Um, what has been the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune <laughs> to experience? Uh, in car sat nav TV. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, uh, oh. I mean, they're just ter- terrible sat navs um, by themselves. I mean, they're just—it's not just they, they go out of date. Um, and then they want 400 quid for a DVD uh, map. It's that they are terrible routing aircrafts. I remember once we had an accident on the M5, uh, and so you say uh, the accident for the next 10 miles or whatever, so please route me around it. And about two hours later, I'm stuck in some road outside Birmingham, and I and I think, what's going on? So you zoom out, and it has this most bizarre algorithm where you took you off the motorway, drove you for 20 miles towards Birmingham, round a roundabout, back 20 miles in exactly the same road that you went down oh. it's like what did you test this software <laughs> it's like I, I trusted it never again I'm not trusting car sat navs ever again they are terrible phone ways off we go <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I mean and, and you know obviously the problem with with, uh, with something like ways is if you if you reach a destination and there's no coverage you can't mm, get back yeah. but uh, the uh, the TomTom app um uh, with all the maps downloaded, is is extremely accomplished. Um, yeah, that's another one. Like the we were saying earlier about the Android uh, Auto and the Apple CarPlay, just just use a third party. Use one of the experts. Yeah. yeah. Don't bother to do. Don't waste your energy and money on this because you you don't get it right, and you just get hated for. Yeah. By customers. So get someone in good, and then we, you know, we won't hate you. We may not thank you for it so much, but we won't hate you for it. And we we'll just go, yeah, my sat nav works every time. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's like make make getting driving the car as as simple and as enjoyable as possible. So don't put extra unnecessary barriers in the way. Yeah, wouldn't it be fabulous to to have a head up display, uh, but my app on my phone for the sat nav could be projected. Onto the uh, head-up display. Yeah, well, I think oh, I think head-up fabulous. displays are the future. Um, yeah. It's not it's not a big screen in the in the the center console or stuck on the dashboard uh, in the middle. Uh, I think it's a head-up display for the driver. Is the is the perfect because I I um, use that on an i8. I was lucky enough to drive an i8 a couple of years ago, and it was once I'd driven that. I was that is that is how it has to go. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wonderful having head-up display. Uh, sorry, I've, I've digressed. Now. Yes. <laughs> um, who do you think I should talk to after speaking to you? Uh, that's very difficult. Um, yes, I think you should probably talk to um, uh, a technically aware lawyer who's uh, who's got some uh, understanding of the autonomous vehicle space. Um, because we talked about the, the the whole safety issues and the um, the, the, the great unspoken um, issues of, of certification, and uh, it, by default, if we don't do anything, it'll be the lawyers that uh, will be uh, regulating this space. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you could talk to a um, um, a private liability lawyer who who is up to speed in autonomous vehicles. Okay, I will hunt out. There is somebody I... I yes, uh, I know someone on Twitter. I could, <laughs> if you don't already follow them, so... Yeah, that I, that I uh, chat yeah. to that seems yeah. to be... Um, yeah. 
incredibly clued up on that sort of yep. thing and yep. uh, is speaks in a very sensible language that yep. is easy to understand as well, which I always appreciate because I'm, yep. I am not a clever person. <laughs> so anyone, if, if I can understand it, anyone can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's because I think that's going to be the uh, thing that will make or break the, um, the autonomous vehicles is 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 the legal issues, and of course there's there's a whole load of um, tangential issues of of um, not just regulation of the vehicles, but but the infrastructures around it, and um, you know when, <laughs> where do you park them if they're if or are they allowed to orbit your uh, your yeah, office? Exactly. Um, this, is, this is conversation. These know, are conversations that we need to consider and start thinking about now. Um, because it will be too late once they're, you know, once we've got them on board, and then people go, "Hang on, I've just got cars going round and round all night." Yeah, and they're empty. That's not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or they're parked up. That's not good. You know, whatever whatever the problem is, we do we do need to think about these things. Yeah, and uh, there are a few people I see out there actually broaching these subjects and starting to mention yeah. them, and it, it's. Uh, you know, the first couple of times I see them, I sort of go, well, whatever. And then I start to actually think about it and I go, that's, that's a very good point. Um, I hadn't thought of that. And, I mean, I mean, the first thing to address before worrying about whether you should have vomit sensors in shared autonomous vehicles and so on is, uh, is actually whether they're going to be safe and legal to exist in the first place. Um, and I think that's the big question. Mm. Um, and then, if you think they do, then then you can start playing these. Well, what if, what if, what if questions? What what if uh, an autonomous vehicle uh, drove up and then delivered a dead person who died in the journey? <laughs> yes. That's going to happen at some point. Um, <laughs> and soilage fees of of shared multiple uh, shared uh, ownership vehicles and so on. There's a whole load of issues, but um, for for me the big one is 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 actually can they exist um, at the level of safety that they have to be? Yes, and um, not confident that that is the case. And I'm not confident, no. And it would be very good to get a lawyer's perspective of, of how the legal system would treat someone's argument that, well, they're safer than humans. Really? Really? Well, yes, yes, really. Yeah, <laughs> Pro- prove it. Yes. <laughs> I put it to you, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, then... Um, Final question there, what are the best ways for people to follow uh, you and what you do and the stuff you're getting up to? Um, it's Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. That's okay. easiest. And you can get in touch with me on Twitter that way. No problem. I will put a link in the show notes. Uh, and this just leaves me the uh, the chance to just say thank you so much for talking to me. I, I have taken up an inordinately long amount of your evening, and I really do appreciate it. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation because, like I say, you know, I was... There are not that people will believe this, but there are times I've, I worry that I get too negative about this, <laughs> about these the aspects of connected cars and security. Um, and it's been awesome to talk to an expert and someone who actually knows about this rather than me, who sort of stumbles along and goes, "Oh my God, that sounds dreadful," uh, yeah. <laughs> without yeah. really knowing. And and you're able to um, alleviate my fears and yet reinforce them. So. <laughs> So thank you very much for that. Well, it's been very good to talk to a petrol head as well. So it's been really good. And that is the end of part two with my chat with Ken. Thanks once again to Ken for coming on Rearview and chatting with me. I hope you found these episodes as fascinating as I have. If you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on the show, please do get in touch. 
If you use the hashtag rearviewpod, we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers. If you want to get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. Remember, you can support everything we do at the Motoring Podcast in a couple of ways. Please do go to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support to see what they are. I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about the show. I want as many as possible to hear the stories of these wonderful people who come on here. So until next time, that was Ken Tyndall, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.